Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. You guys feeling God in here tonight? I believe that God's going to do something, and I feel privileged to be able to share with you a message that God put in my heart. I want to talk to you guys today about Just Keep Digging. How many of you guys have seen Finding Dory? Well, this is not Just Keep Swimming. This is Just Keep Digging, and you'll see what I mean in just a little bit. And I, I want to just bring you way back in time to the times of our founding faith fathers, right, in the case of Abraham. And in the book of Genesis, chapter 26, in the Bible, we find the familiar story of Abraham dying. This guy is the father of the faith, and he dies at 175 years. How many would like to live a life that long, right? Especially if it's a good life. If it's a bad life, you wouldn't want to live that long. But 175 years blessed, and his son Isaac settles in a place called, and I'm going to give you a lot of places. There's a lot of places that have meanings. Way back in the Old Testament, when you would name your son that had a meaning, and a lot of times the son ended up living out his name. And sometimes God had to intervene and change the name because the name wasn't too much of a good name. And like in the case of Jacob, God had to change their names. God, after Abraham left, he took Isaac into a place, and they settled. This place was called Beer Lahai Roy, which means the well of the living one. It doesn't mean that Isaac drank a lot of beer, nothing like that. Every time you see beer, beer is well. So it was called Beer Lahoi Roy, which means the well of the living one, or the well of him who lives and sees me. All right, and this is the place. So Abraham is dead. Now he passes all this on to Isaac. Isaac is, is the second in line, and he's continuing what his father started. And he remembers that God had given his father a dream that they were going to possess the promised land. How many of you know that God has the promised land for you? I'm going to ask that again because your amen didn't convince me. How many of you guys believe that there's a promised land for you? And I don't care if you're living a good time in your life right now or a good season. God has promised something even better. You guys believe that? And Isaac believed that. I'm sure Abraham time and time again had reminded him, look, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're seeing. And trust me, Abraham, even though he had the promise of God, he went through situations where they lacked food. He went through situations where he had to trust in God, even though the promise felt so far away. But in the end, he saw the glory of God. And Isaac saw that. He was part of the answer to Abraham's promise. You know, he started pouring on into Isaac. And now Isaac is carrying the torch. And in this place, Beer Lahai Roy, which means the well of the living one, this is where we read that Isaac and Rebekah start their life. This is where Jacob and Esau, they were born. This is the same place where Esau traded his birthright. You guys remember that? So a lot of things happened in this place. And then after a while... Isaac moves into a place called Gerar. Everybody say Gerar. And Gerar means the lodging place. He moves into Gerar and he goes to speak to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. The Philistines, as you guys know, are the enemies of God. So he comes to speak to this guy and he says, look, I'm going to be stopping by here. I'm going to be living here. You know, I come from other parts, but, you know, this is the place where I feel that God is putting me. So he comes into that place and as he's settling there, he pitches his tent and he's starting this new season in his life without his father being alive, the Bible says that a huge famine starts 
in the land, and everybody starts heading towards Egypt. I talked a little bit about this in the morning as I was ministering the tithes and offerings. And everybody and their mama is going to Egypt because in Egypt, there's opportunity. In Egypt, it's a big city, right? There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of job. There's, there's more provision. And here, things are getting tight. So everybody's running to the city when God appears to Isaac, and he tells them, don't go to Egypt. How many times has God ever told you go against the flow? And you feel everybody doing one thing, and you're like, oh, you know, let's go. Everybody's doing it. And all of a sudden, you take time to listen to God's voice, and God tells you, you know what? Don't do what everybody's doing. Go against the flow because I have something better for you. And because everybody's not listening to my voice, they don't get to hear what I want to do. But because you take time to listen to God's voice, God tells you, hey, I have something better for you. And that's exactly what happened to Isaac. Isaac is ready to move to Egypt, but God tells him, hey, stay in this place. I know things are getting bad. I know there's, there's a famine in the land. There's very little food. Things are not as prosperous as you would like, but stay here and live as a foreigner in this land. And God told him, I will be with you and bless you. So what do you think Isaac did? Anybody here? He was a smart man. He was a godly man. So what did he do? He stayed. He didn't go to Egypt. He stayed in Gerar. So just out of curiosity, I wrote this down in my notes yesterday. I wonder how many people here in JTP Church are planning a move. Any kind of move. I just want to minister to your heart today because I believe that maybe there's people here that are planning a move. A move to another city for a better opportunity maybe. A move to another job, a move to another life, a move to another wife, hopefully not, a move to another career, maybe moving myself from serving God or moving myself to another church, and you just haven't had the time to listen to God like Isaac did. And I want to warn you, you could be making a mistake. Even if the opportunity seems like the right opportunities, according to your eyes, you guys remember what happened to Eve when she went through what her eyes thought was pleasing, remember? So sometimes we got to take time and listen to the voice of God. And I think that we could get so much out of Isaac if we just imitate him. Because everybody is going to Egypt and, man, there's prosperity in Egypt. You know, there may be famine here, but in Egypt, things abound. But God tells him, hey, stay here because I have a purpose for you. You know what? I believe that God brought you to this place from whatever country you came from. I believe that you're here in JTP for a purpose. I believe you are where you are for a purpose. Sometimes we think you belittle the place where we are, and we don't understand that maybe in the place where we are is where God's going to show his glory over our lives. Why don't you tell the person next to you, before you move, make sure you listen to the voice of God. And check this out. I'm just resuming. I, we're going to get to the Word of God now, and we're going to read it. But just to give you a little recap of what's going on in the life of Isaac, as a consequence of his obedience, as a consequence of him listening to God and not going with the flow, the Bible says that God blessed Isaac greatly. You see, it doesn't matter where you are. As long as it was God who placed you there, you will prosper. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter where you are. As long as it was God who placed you there, you will prosper. Let me ask you, in the place where you are right now, is it God who put you there or did you put yourself there? Because if God put you there, trust me, you will prosper. You might have to wait a little bit. The Bible doesn't say that he just went to sleep that night and when he woke up, you know, it was like gold all over the place. And it didn't happen that way. But, you know, when God says something, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen sooner or later. Amen. So make sure that where you are today is where God wants you to be. And if you don't know for sure, you know what? It's not too late. Tonight, when you get home from church, 
get on your knees and say, God, am I in the place where you want me? You could do a lot of things in life. You could have connections with the right people, with people that are wealthy. You could have a lot of things. But you know what? Nothing, nothing, nothing will ever make up for being in the place where God wants you to be. That is your sweet spot. That's the place where you're going to thrive. That's the place where you're going to be able to reach your dreams and see everything that God prepared and destined for your life be completed and come to pass. How many say amen? So many people make quick decisions when things get tight, like, well, I'm going to move to Texas because the homes are cheaper there. Uh, I'm going to go to Orlando because there's more opportunities there to work. And what you should be doing is asking God where he wants you or what he wants you to be doing. So this guy was obedient to God, Isaac was, and because he was obedient, God blessed this guy in the place that everyone was moving away from. I don't know about you, but everybody was looking for the opportunity in Egypt, but Isaac knew that God was his opportunity. God is my opportunity. God is your opportunity, and that's what we should be seeking for. So having said that, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to read a little bit of the word of God. Genesis chapter 26, and I think everything that we're going to read today, all 346 verses, <laughs> kidding, <laughs> are right there in Genesis 26. Genesis 26, verse 12, it says, then Isaac sowed in that land. Now listen, to be able to sow in a land that there's hunger in this, I mean, it doesn't make much sense, right? You want to sow in a land that's booming, in a land that's... There's flowing milk and honey. But he believed God, and he sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Everybody say 100%. I'm sorry, 100-fold in the same year. God didn't take long to do what he promised to do. In the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. And look what else it says. And the Lord blessed them. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines, which, remember, he was living in Gerar. Gerar was under the Philistine empire. They started envying him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, who was Abimelech? Let's see if you guys are following. The king. He came up to this guy. He starts seeing God prosper him, and he told him, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. God blessed this guy so much, and he was a foreigner. This guy just got into the country, and the country was in a bad state. But he got there, and because he obeyed God, he started prospering. And he started becoming so powerful that the king himself went to this guy and told him, you know what? You're going to have to get out of here because you become more powerful than us. And I think that's testimony to see that when we really listen to God's voice, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are, or what you're doing, and you're going to prosper. You're going to prosper. How many say amen? And so I want to talk to you a little bit about a well because it talks here about wells that Abraham had dug up and now, after Abraham died, the Bible says that these enemies, instead of grabbing the wells and using them, what they did is they put dirt on them and they, they stopped them. That's how the Bible makes reference to them. They stopped all the wells that his father had built. Now, well, in the desert of Palestine was a sign of wealth and independence. If you had a well, man, you were wealthy. 
because you would sell the water and you didn't need to go and buy waters for your camels or for like somebody like Isaac. Isaac had a lot of sheep, a lot of cattle. You know, you needed water for camels drink a lot of water, as you guys know. So you needed water for a lot of things. And back then, you know, there was no faucets or anything like that. There was no mowing or American standards. They didn't have that back then. So what they used was the well. The well was a sign of wealth and independence. The owners of these wells, they would sell their waters, or in other cases, they will barter, like, give me some water, and I'll give you some tomatoes. All right, cool. Owners of wells generally became very, very important wealthy men in the land. Abraham had opened a bunch of wells all over the place, but the Philistines, lifelong enemies of God's people, filled them up with dirt. Here comes Isaac. He moves into Gerar. He becomes so blessed, so blessed that the king comes to him and he tells him, you know what? You're going to have to get out. And you know what he does? He doesn't start arguing with him. He doesn't start saying, no, but this is the place where God put me. He just obeys and he moves on. And the king, after he tells him that, Isaac goes from Gerar, which was up in the heights, to the valley of Gerar. He's still in Gerar, but now he went from a high place to a low place. This is not a promotion, people. At first sight, this could be more like a demotion. Like saying, man, God blessed me. God was the one who placed me in this place. And all of a sudden, I get kicked out. And I'm in a place way down here when God has blessed me. You read in the Bible, and he never complained. Interesting here is that he doesn't fight the king. He doesn't, you know, throw a hissy fit. He doesn't do anything of that. And I want to tell some of you guys here, maybe you should stop wasting your energy on people that do you wrong and just trust God that something better is on his way. You know, sometimes part of God's process is people doing you wrong. Just look at the case of Joseph. How many times he was done wrong by his own family. And I know there's people in here that sometimes even your family members don't even understand your devotion to God and why you serve and why you're here on Father's Day and you're serving God and you come to the morning service and you just got a little time to be with with your father, you know, and you got to come back to JT. And and they just don't understand your devotion, but God sees it. How many say amen? God sees what we do and, and we know we have conviction of why we do what we do. God will use your enemies to set up your promotions sometimes. He'll use the people that sometimes pull the rug from underneath you to prepare you for the next. And some, if you don't have revelation from God, you'll spend your life fighting with those people. And you don't realize that God is using them to bring you to the place where he wants to take you. And I'm not done with the whole story. God blessed Isaac. But now all of a sudden, Isaac goes from where, at the top where he was. And he's now pitching a tent in the valley of Gerar, way down low. When you know that God's blessing is on you, you don't really care so much as to what people say or what they do. You just want to stay connected to your source. There is a confidence. Listen, when you know God, there's a confidence. And I think that's what Isaac had. He was moving and he had this confidence. Abimelech told him, you're out. Get out of here. You're too much for us. All right, I'm leaving, but with God. So there's a confidence that no matter how people do you wrong, You know you're walking with God, and you know that translates into success, into blessing, into open heavens, as we were just singing. How many say amen? So look what happens in verse 17. Isaac then departed from there, and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. That became his place. Gerar means lodging place. Well, now he's in the valley of Gerar, and he lodged here. And Isaac dug again the wells of water 
which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and they found a well of running water there. Maybe for you this is not a big deal, but a well back in those days was a big deal. It was a source of wealth, right? Independence. So all these wells were stopped since the day that Abraham had died. But now his son comes back to the valley of Gerar. They start digging up all these wells that the Philistines had stopped up. And now they found water. This is the big deal. Look what happened. Verse 20. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, This water, or the water, is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Essek is contention. Essek is dispute. There's a dispute. These people, they have the well there the whole time. They didn't want to do the work. But here comes the servants, and here comes Isaac, and they start digging it up, and they find water, and all of a sudden, these people claim the water. They didn't have to do all the work. They didn't do anything. They didn't have to spend all those days. I mean, digging up a well didn't take 20 minutes. This was months, and in the heat of a desert, this was a lot of hard work. And all of a sudden, these people say, oh, water, oh, let's claim it. This is our property. So they claimed it, and Isaac, all he does is say, okay, and he just goes on. And what's interesting here is that you don't hear God talking to Isaac. Because we hear at the beginning God telling Isaac, hey, move from this place. I want you to go to the lodging place. I want you to go to Gerar, and I'm going to prosper you there. And Isaac obeys God. But in this process that he goes down to the valley of Gerar, and now he finds a well. It seems like things are looking up. Now these people come, and they take the well, and they repossess it. And where's God in all this? And you don't hear God's voice. You don't see, and God told Isaac, because God used to speak to these men. And you're going to see in just a little bit that God will speak to him again. But sometimes when you go through contentions, when you go through dispute, and people come and try to do you wrong, God is trying to see if we really trust him and if you're really focused in where God is trying to move you. That's why I said there is a confidence of those people that have a relationship with God, that follow after God, and know that I am blessed to be a blessing it doesn't matter a blessing is not something that i have to get i am a blessing wherever i go as long as i'm with god and i'm in the place where god put me blessing will follow me and isaac knew that he kept on going he got to the valley of Essek. they take away this well and he passed through contention the valley of contention dispute quarrel let me change the angle on this Last night, I was thinking about this, and we always think about Isaac. But what about the servants? Because the Bible says that the servants were the ones that literally did all the work. They were the ones who had to dig up the well. They were the ones under the heat, doing all this for a month. And all of a sudden, they see this guy come, this weird dude, and take everything that they had worked for, and they don't say a word. If it would have been today, perhaps the servants would have said, what is this guy, stupid or what? He's got us digging these wells day and night in the desert for months. And some dude just comes out of nowhere and claims them and he just gives them up. I'm out Monday. I'm working on my resume. <laughs> I'm not going to continue to work for this fool Isaac. I ain't working for him anymore. 
But you see, they were servants. That's what we don't understand sometimes. True servants can't always see the whole picture, but they trust who they're serving. You don't have to know everything because sometimes we don't realize that we're just servants in the kingdom of God and that God has put spiritual authority over us and we think we know it all. And we want to move ahead as a son of a pastor. I had to learn this myself. Right now I'm in my 40s. I turned 40 last year. I'm about to turn 41 now in August. Hint, hint. I'm not a spring chicken, so to say. I'm not a teenager. I'm already a grown man. A 40-year-old man, I believe that God has a calling. I've had to also understand how to submit because I'm not number one. I do have a calling, but right now I'm in a season where I have to push, as Ontario Green taught us, somebody else's dream. So these servants understood. And maybe they did have the thoughts, but you see, when you're a true servant, it's not about what you see. It's about what the person that you're serving sees. And it's about following after their dreams, especially if they're people that hear from God. So I love that. You know, sometimes we, we just see how Isaac handled the situation and what he went through, but we don't see the side of the servants. It could have been pretty discouraging, but they just kept on going. And in verse 21, after they left that place, it says, then they dug another well while these people were committed they weren't sitting down and saying, you know what, God is not with us. You know how sometimes we throw those spiritual hissy fits, right? God doesn't love me. Uh, what's going to happen to me? God's not listening to me. None of that. They continued and they say, God is with us the same way he gave us one well. Now we're going to dig up and we're going to get another well. And the Bible says that they dug up another well. I'm in verse 21. And they quarreled over that one also. So now he calls this one Sitna. And if you see the definition or the meaning of sitna, it's opposition. Opposition. So here comes this man. He's blessed by God in a land. Wow, I saw God's glory in a land that wasn't even mine. I've seen God firsthand blessing me because I obeyed him. But now I got kicked out. And now I go and, and I start seeing things happen. But there's contention. There's contention. And it doesn't let me get to the blessing that God promised me. And then, fine, contention. I moved on from contention, but now I find opposition. When is this going to end? And sometimes we feel that God is not by our side. And again, God doesn't speak anything to Isaac. You don't see God saying, Isaac, I am with you. Isaac, don't worry. You're going to find one. Just keep on going. No, no. You see, sometimes, sometimes God speaks to you once, and that should be enough for you to keep you going until the next time because God speaks to you in certain specific times in your life and here we don't see God talking to him in the valley of Essek contention in the valley of Sitna opposition just when you thought you did the right thing and you avoided contention you avoided dispute you overcame that that happened with your boss or with your family member now you're faced with opposition can you see that what Isaac went through a long time ago is sometimes what we go through in 2017? How many of you are facing opposition right now? Raise your hand. You don't have to tell me what it is. Opposition, okay. So you're familiar with Sitna. How many of you guys are probably facing contention, dispute with situations or the way things are happening and, and you're in that valley and you're quarreling? Well, God wants to tell you just keep on digging. Just keep on digging. 
You know, sometimes we read this verse, verse 21. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So they called its name Sitna. How long does it take to read that? Five seconds? About five seconds? Ten seconds? But you know how long it probably took them to dig up that well? That's what happens when you read the Bible so fast that you don't realize that one verse sometimes, it's years. And they went through a struggle. Oh, okay, yeah, I go through a struggle too. No, 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 but wait. <laughs> These people put their lives in digging up that well, multiple servants for months and months and months. And when they finally see the water, now these people come and they take it away. That's, man, that's enough for some of us to throw in the towel sometimes. But these people kept persevering. And then we get to verse 22. And he moved from there. Everybody say, and he moved from there. Come on, touch the person and tell them, move on. Don't stay stuck in Sitna. Don't stay stuck in Essek. You got to move on. Just keep digging. And he moved from there and dug another well. And finally, it says here, they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. I feel God tonight is making room for some people in this place that have struggled, that have been through opposition, that have been through the Valley of Essek, that have been through situations that you've tried and you've struggled and you just kept persevering with God by your side. You know what? There's a real boss for you as well. How many say amen? Come on, put your arms around someone and tell them there's a real boss waiting for you. You just got to keep digging. The meaning of real boss is spaciousness. Everybody says spaciousness. Open space, abundance. Can you guys see that? Yes. Or are you too inside Sitna that you can't see the openness that God has for you? You know, you could be blinded by how opposition comes your way. And, and if you don't react the way that God wants you to react and just get up and keep on going, you could be stuck in, just look at the people in, of Israel when they were stuck in the desert for 40 years. It could happen. So it's not what happens to you, but it's how you react. And if you're going through opposition right now, just keep on going and trust that God is with you because he does have a promised land. And that's why I asked a few minutes ago, I mean, every single person here without exception, you need to know that there is a promised land for you. There is a real buff for you. There is an open space for you. Amen? A spaciousness. And this time, this time, Isaac was able to keep his well. And what I feel that God wants to tell us tonight is that Sometimes before you get to Rehoboth, you have to go through Gerar, through Isaac, and through Sitna first. Before you get to openness, before you get to the promised land, before you get to the land that flows milk and honey, you're going to have to go through dispute, through contention. You're going to have to go through opposition. How many say amen? But I said go through it, not stay stuck in it. You got to make sure that you, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I don't stay there. I'm not going to hitch a tent there. I know that it's just a transitory place. How many say amen? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. We all have a promised land, but sometimes it could get bumpy. Am I right? It could get bumpy, but it's all part of the journey. It's part of your faith test. God tests your faith along the way, and, and through it all, he was testing Isaac. And, and I asked Brandy to put something that I found on the internet. I've, I've seen this in a lot of different ways, but I think this slide shows or explains a little bit about our plans versus God's plan. You see, these are our plans. We are happily sailing. 
into our Rehoboth. But this is God's plan for your life. There's pitfalls, right? There's Isaac, there's Sitna, right? There's Gerar. Man, there's three valleys there. Hmm, interesting. But if you trust God, if you trust God, every single valley, it's part of the journey to get you to the place where God... Man, if Joseph wouldn't have gotten ditched by his brothers into the pit, if he wouldn't have gotten sold as a slave, if he wouldn't have gotten thrown into jail, he never would have met Pharaoh. So it was all part of the process. And through that, God is seeing how we react. And Joseph, Isaac as well, they're people that, man, God didn't have to talk to them every single day. Sometimes it's just the word of God. You know, that's why coming to church is so important because you could come to a service like this and it's just one word that God gives you and boom, if you write it down in the tablets of your heart, that word could follow you all the days of your life. Whereas you could come for 50 years to every single service that's offered by JTP and words could come in through here and go out through here and all they are is words and you never live by them. You never make them yours. You never apply them and therefore you never get to the promised land. But Isaac knew that God had given a promise to his father first. And then when his father Abraham died, he came to him and told him, look, everything I told your father, I will do in you. I will bless you to be a blessing to many nations. You're going to be prosperous. I'm going to do so many things in you and through you. The next time you experience a dispute or contention, you'll remember tonight. And you know what you'll say? I know what this is. I'm in the Valley of Essek. And what I got to do is just keep digging. The next time you experience opposition on the way to your blessing, you'll say, I remember PJ preaching about this. I'm in the Valley of Sitna. What do I got to do? Just keep digging. And don't let contention and opposition deter you. You will get to your blessing. I want you to turn around and find a digger and tell them, just keep digging. Hand me the shovel. I've become familiarized with this. I've kept digging. And three years ago, God gave me a business. He connected me with a partner. We, we buy tore down houses and we mess them up. So I've become familiar with these uh, apparatus. You know, God wants to make sure that you can use this and that no matter how much opposition came your way, no matter how much contention came your way, that you're always digging. You see, when God looks at you from above, you need to make sure that God's always finding you digging. And that's what I think God loved about Isaac and his servants. And you know what? If they would have taken this one, I don't know what he would have named it, but I'm sure he would have kept on digging. Taking this to your personal life, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how many wells they've taken from you. You know, sometimes we're so easy and we love to be the victim. And we love to say, if this wouldn't have happened to me, I would have been somewhere else. If I would have married that guy, <laughs> if I would have taken that job, or if I wouldn't have done this, or if I've, you know what, stop dwelling in the past. Start digging. Keep digging. There's a well that's full of spaciousness and that's going to bring about everything that God planned for your life. Is there anybody here that believes that? For Snapchat. Look what it says in verse 23. Verse 23. I'm going to read all the way to verse 33. It gets better. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night. 
This is right after they have Rehoboth. They finally had a well and they called it their own. And finally, now the Lord appears. It's like, God, couldn't you appear when I was in Sitna or Isak? But he appears now when they have the blessing. And he said this, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he, Isaac, built an altar there and he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. These people kept on digging. Then Abimelech, the king, you guys remember, came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Fickle, the commander of his army. Now, I'm sure that Isaac probably freaked out when he saw this. I mean, here comes the king. He kicked me out, and now he's coming towards me with the commander of the army? What? Are these people trying to hang me? What's the deal? And look what happens. Verse 27, Isaac said to him, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. You see, one of the things that happens when you keep digging is that people start seeing the blessing of God over your life. Even the people that did you wrong, even the people that kicked you away and that kicked you to the curb and said, man, this guy's a fool, this guy... Keep quiet, keep digging, and God is going to show his glory over your life. This is the king, ladies and gentlemen. The king comes up to him and says, my gosh, you are the blessed of God. We don't want anything bad to do with you. We want to do an oath that we are cool. We're good, right? Yeah, we're here. We're nothing wrong between us. And so 30 says, he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Verse 32, it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. So the same day that they wake up, and then they do this oath, and then Isaac sends the king away, he gets his servants coming in, and he says, Isaac, we found water. So they found water, and the Bible says that he called this well Sheba. Therefore, the name Beersheba, or Beersheba. And Beersheba is a city to this day. Beersheba means the well of the oath. Because of this oath that was made between Isaac, the blessed of God, and the king of the Philistines. Today, 2017, Beersheba is the largest city in southern Israel. In 1948, when the Jews retook Israel... This place was so key because Beersheba was where the Egyptians, their strategical and logistic base, but the Israel Defense Force, they retook the city. And guess what? Till this day, there's still seven wells operating daily in Beersheba, 2017. How about that? All because of a man. All because of a man that decided to keep on digging. Keep on digging. You see, when the enemy brings opposition, because he does, and you're serving God, and out of nowhere, all of a sudden, something happens. If you're not a person of the Spirit, the first thing you do is look down, want to give up, question God, 
True people of the Spirit are the people that keep digging. No matter what happens, you keep digging, you keep digging. Man, I don't care if I go through 20 valleys, if God promised me prosperity, if God promised me a promised land, and I guaranteed every single one of you guys through the Word of God that God has a promised land for you guys, just keep digging till you see it. Just keep digging. How many say amen? Worship team. You guys could stand on your feet. Here you go, brother. Keep digging. I don't know right now where you are in life. Maybe you're going through some type of contention. Maybe you're going through ESEC in your family, in your personal life. Maybe you're dealing with contention and opposition at the same time in many areas of your life. Maybe you got three or four valleys you're dealing with. But God brought you here just to remind you, just make sure that you're digging. Make sure you're doing what God called you to do. As long as you're positioned where God positioned you and doing what God called you to do, you know what? Forget about it. There's a confidence in knowing that if God called me and I'm doing what he called me, he's going to make it right. He's going to fix the family situation. He's going to bring the person that you're wanting to spend the rest of your life with. He's going to open the doors so that you won't have to be so tight financially. He's going to bless you. He's, he's going to open the doors for you to start your business. But it's not going to be on your terms. It's going to be as you keep digging and listening to the voice of God. Because, you know, if you listen to what you think is right and what people advise you that don't know God, you're going to end up in Egypt. You know, the Bible doesn't say anything about the people that were running to Egypt. What it does say is what happened to the guy who stayed there listening to the voice of God. I'm guessing Isaac must have had friends there. And they must have said, Isaac, are you crazy? Everybody and their family is leaving to Egypt. You're going to stay here in this desert place? And what are you going to do here? I'm, like, I'm going to sow. And you're going to sow? Are you crazy? This is a barren land. What are you going to sow? But he knew that God was with them. You see, God brought you here to remind you to just keep digging. Maybe there's people here that you've set your life on cruise control and you're not even digging anymore. You're just gone with the wind, wherever the wind takes you. But God today brought this message to shake you up a bit and to get you grounded and focused in that you have to continue building the life that God wants you to live, which is a prosperous life. God brought you here to get some fight in you. Some people just stopped fighting and you just let all these things happen to you. And you know what? You're just so tired because you don't have the strength of God. You don't go to the source enough to have strength. You're in the floor. You're, you're not even moving. But God brought you here to give you of his strength and to remind you, man, through me, we're going to get up. We're going to fix the situation. And everything that I've promised, I have not forgotten. I will do it. And I will bring it to pass in your life if you just trust me. In the 23 years that I've been working in JTP, started in 94 when I just graduated high school, there's been ups and downs. I'm not going to tell you it was all Reboath. <laughs> I've had some e-sex myself. Some of them personally. And, and I think the biggest battles, the biggest battles that we've gone through have been together. More than when I was single. When I got married, a couple of years into my marriage, we went through some <laughs> significant e-sex and sitness. But you know what? We kept on digging, Carly and I. We became a team and we said, look, we could either buckle here under pressure and we could just throw in the towel and say this doesn't work, move and start a new life, or 
we could just, we didn't even have that conversation, but that's, that's sometimes the option that the enemy tries to fool you with. You know, just, just move, just, just do this, just start, start fresh, start, and go to Egypt. And, but we just kept on digging. We knew that we were here with a purpose. And no matter how low we got, Carly and I kept on digging, kept on digging. Some people dig until they get to contention, and then they throw their shovels away. And they say, you know what, that's it. I came this far, and where's God? Some people have a little bit more in them, and they get through contention, and they, then they come to sitna, and they come through opposition. And after the second blow, that's it, they give up. Not realizing that the next well is Reboaf. Not knowing that open pastures, openness, open space, blessing, abundance is the next stop. And maybe there's some people right now stuck on opposition. You went through opposition, it dealt you a big blow, and you're right there. You're just on your knees. You don't know what to do. And I'm here to tell you that if you get up, God has something incredible for you. We are not people that give up. We are not the type that give up. The apostle said something today. Since the time of John the Baptist, the gospel suffers violence. And it's the violent that possess the kingdom. And I think that people of God need to have that warrior mentality. Nothing gets to me. I have thick skin, right? We have to be like that. No matter how many wells they come and they take from us, we know what we've been called to do. We know the promise that is written in our hearts. And that is what keeps us going. The Bible says that when Jesus had to encounter death and Calvary, he put joy before him. He was able to see Reboaf, even though he had to go through the biggest opposition any human being could ever go through. But he overcame and he became victorious. And because you were made, like someone just said earlier, to his likeness and to his image, you will do the same. The purpose of God is to get you through your sitna, get you through your isek, and you will see the glory of God. And I want to finish off with the guys. Check this out. I was reading a little bit about this, and Isaac went through exactly the same issues that his father Abraham went through. Interesting. Against the king, if you read, and I don't have time to get into this deeply, but if you read chapter 20, you see that with respect to his wife and with respect to the wells, Abraham also contended with the same king, Abimelech. And Abimelech took the wells from Abraham, but he didn't fight for them. I don't know why Abraham didn't fight for them. You know, and sometimes us as people of God, we're going to go through the same battles that our fathers had to go through. But you know what? God's going to give us victory over certain things that our parents failed because they didn't know God. Or for whatever reason, they didn't have to push. God guarantees that from generation to generation, we're going to go from glory to glory. We're going to get strength. Maybe there's people here that you've seen your parents or you've seen your father, especially the guys, fight certain types of battles against vices, against addictions, against divorce, against a lot of labels and a lot of things that the enemy tried to do to break up your family. But you know what? There's an anointing over your life and you're going to be an Isaac. And what Abraham wasn't able to take back, Isaac, the second generation is going to come and take it back for the glory of God's name.